Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Hello again. Am I the only one who longs the day when we don't have to wear these? Did anyone watch Emma Raducanu last night? So let's just quick straw poll. This has got nothing to do with the sermon. But who stayed up and watched the whole match? Ah, very impressive. What an amazing woman. Great game. Uh, That's got nothing to do with what I'm about to speak about. Um, We are going to spend a few weeks, three weeks to be exact, looking through, reminding ourselves of our vision here as a church. And our vision, in case you had forgotten, is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. And so we're going to spend three weeks focusing in on what does it mean to be transformed by Jesus, for our town and beyond to be transformed by him. But actually it begins in here, doesn't it? It begins with you and me and our hearts and our lives as we seek him. And so actually, Becca's, Rebecca's question, as we were just praying, how is God wanting to transform you, is a good question. As I reread these verses this week, I find that God's asking me about my life. And as you have reread these words, just even now, I want you to think about how God, how Jesus has transformed you over the years, over the the months, perhaps even since we last met 18 months ago. If you find that question hard to answer, maybe think about, are you growing in your faith? How have you grown in the last year or two or five years? Because the longer I go on in my walk with Jesus, following him, the more I realize how sinful I am, how broken I am, And how much I need Jesus every single day of my life. I realize how holy he is, how glorious he is, how gracious he is. And I realize that I need that continuing redeeming work of Christ in me every single day to help me as a husband, as a father, and as a vicar. And as I reread these words in Acts chapter 9, I'm filled with hope because I realize that this transforming work of Jesus by his Holy Spirit is the very essence of what God is wanting to do in you and in me in our lives at this time. So let's pray, and I want to encourage you please to keep that passage of Scripture open. We're going to have a look at that now, Acts chapter 9, but let's pray now. Heavenly Father, as we gather together again as church, we realize that it is all about you. We are Christians, we are little Christs called to shine your light, to be reflecting your image in this world. And Lord, we pray that today you would help us see you Lord, that the very fact that we spend this time gathered looking closely at you, Lord, 
you would increase that transforming work in us. Change us more into your image, to have your priorities, your heart, your compassion for this world. That we would go out from this place, Lord, this morning, representing you as your ambassadors to the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. Now we've got um, a few points that are going to come up on the slides behind me. And the first thing as I read through Acts chapter 9 is I realise that we see in here the hope of a transformed life. So that's the, the first point there, the hope of a transformed life. Have a look with me at Acts um, chapter 9 verse 3. No, I beg your pardon. Chapter 8 verse 3. What we read in chapter 8 is that Saul had been going around destroying the church. You know, Saul was a nasty piece of work. He was threatening Christians, he was imprisoning Christians, he was killing Christians. Persecution was his business. And we understand from Scripture that it was driven by fear. Because Saul was fearful that these new believers, these followers of Christ would say something that would go against the very law that he was teaching people about as a Pharisee. So what happened? Turn to chapter 9. Well, we see this dramatic and life-changing encounter with Jesus. So life-changing and world-changing, in fact, that here we are 2,000 years on, still looking at these words, speaking about the conversion of Saul. So in verse 3 of chapter 9, we read that suddenly there's a light from heaven and a flash around Saul. He falls to the ground and he hears the words of Jesus calling his name Saul, Saul. And we read that he loses his sight. He's, he's left blind for three days. This is a dramatic encounter with Jesus. I don't know about you, if you think about when you first came to faith in Christ, when you were saved, you and I may say that it looked a little different to this. It may have felt a little more ordinary. But these encounters with God and with Christ are not uncommon in Scripture. Have a think about the way God revealed himself at Mount Sinai in a cloud surrounded by thunder and lightning. Isaiah falls to the ground in Isaiah chapter 6. He encounters the living God. He sees his holiness. And he falls to the ground as the temple shakes around him. Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, all of them had powerful encounters with the Lord in different ways. Now God reveals himself to different people in different ways. For some it's thunder and lightning, for others it's a gentle whisper. It's that knowledge and assurance of God's love for us. It's the conviction of sin. But ultimately God is revealed in Jesus. Through the person of Jesus, as he took our place on this cross, as he took our shame and our sin on himself so that we could be saved from eternal damnation. We could be forgiven and restored with our heavenly father, reconciled 
loved and being called his sons and his daughters. And so as Jesus stands before Saul, Saul's response is, who are you, Lord? And Jesus tells him to go to Damascus. He has to be led there by others because he cannot see. He's blind. And what is going on physically in Saul, the fact that he can't see, is a signal of what is happening more profoundly in his heart and in his life, that he is spiritually blind. At the same time as this encounter between Jesus and Saul, Jesus is calling Ananias and he tells him to go to Straight Street where he lays his hands on Saul, he prays for him and he is healed. He sees again, his heart is opened, he is saved. And then this most extraordinary response from Jesus as he says that Saul, the very one who'd been persecuting Jesus and persecuting the body of Christ, the church, is to be a chosen instrument for Jesus to proclaim his name. Wow. There is hope because there is nobody who is beyond the redemptive power, the salvation of Jesus. Nobody. You know, I've spent time in my life working as a chaplain, working in the basement of Pentonville Prison. They call it the vulnerable prisoner unit. It's where the most dangerous prisoners go. Some people who've done things that would make you shiver. But Jesus is there. Nobody is beyond the redemption of Jesus, beyond his salvation. You might be here today thinking, you know, this Christian life is fine for all these people here in church, the good people who come to church regularly, but it's, it's beyond me. The truth is we are all sinners. We all need Jesus. I often say the only difference between everyone out there and those of us in here is that we understand our sinfulness. We acknowledge it and we come before our Lord and Saviour with a dependence and a need for his salvation and his grace daily in our lives. Paul's conversion was a work of divine, sovereign grace, just as it is in our lives. God's power and mercy isn't just for the good people who've lived good moral lives, who go to church regularly or who come from good Christian families, because otherwise I am ruled out. It is for those of us who are clinging on to the very cloak of Jesus, saying, I need you and I need your grace in my life. Jesus came not for the healthy, but for the sinners, the sick and the lost. And just like Saul, you and I need to keep meeting with Jesus. We need to keep hearing his words. We need to be reminded of his truth daily. We need to keep gathering together and worshipping Jesus and focusing our eyes on Jesus every day, not just Sundays. 
every moment of our lives. Because when we really encounter Jesus, when we see him in all his fullness, his holiness, his truth, his love, his goodness, when we understand his daily mercy for you and me in our lives, when we really get a grip of what happened on the cross and the fact that he took your sin and my sin on himself once and for all, when we really see him and understand what he's done, it is life-changing. Exactly. This is the beginning of our vision as Grey Friars and New Hope. Before we go out and proclaim the gospel, before we go out and reach out to Reading in mission, international mission, we need to encounter Jesus again the living Jesus. And that's why we talk about equipping the congregation as part of our vision. Because my job, our job as a team, is to equip you, the saints, for works of service. To equip you to be ministers in your workplace, your school, and in your communities. And we do that through gathering together as we pray and worship on a Sunday and during the week in small groups. We do it as we read scripture together. We do it as we spur one another on in the faith. We do it as we gather the children and the youth groups on Sundays and in the week, all with the aim of helping us see and encounter Jesus. Saul transformed from someone who was dishing out murderous threats to one who was a chosen instrument for Jesus. He was transformed from one who was persecuting and killing Christians to one who was praying for them and commissioning them out to plant churches and preach the gospel. His perspective, his focus, his mission, his life turned around completely. He was transformed physically. After three days, he could see. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Ananias is used in this purpose of God bringing salvation Saul was brought into community with Ananias. It's important that we gather together with one another. But we also see that Saul's heart was transformed. Verse 20 of chapter 9. The first words that come out of Saul's mouth are the gospel. Jesus is the Son of God. And even his name changed from Saul to Paul. Paul meaning humble. He showed the humility of Christ. So there is hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for those people that we're praying for who we think haven't yet come to faith. There's hope for the whole world in Christ that nobody is beyond the saving purposes of God in Christ. But there is also, and this is the last point, there is a cost to this transformed life. And I want to finish with this briefly. Reading scripture is like holding up a mirror to our lives. Do you find that? And so as I read these words, I find God is asking me questions. He's asking you questions. So what is it that he's wanting to say to you and me? Saul was called to be an instrument to proclaim the name of Jesus. You are also chosen by God to be an instrument to proclaim the name of Jesus. Paul was called to serve. 
you and I are called to serve. But have a look at verse 16 in chapter 9 in the book of Acts. What word jumps out at you? I want you to actually just say to me, what, what's the word in verse 16 that jumps out at you? Instrument. Verse 16. Suffer. Suffer. It's a word we don't really like very much, is it? Jesus says, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. Because uh, the life of following Jesus is a great joy. We're full of thanksgiving. That's why we gather together to thank God for what he's done in Christ for us. But following Jesus also involves suffering. I think it's fairly certain it will in this country soon involve persecution as well. And so our call as we follow Jesus is to one of service and suffering, of surrender. You know, part of that suffering is death to self. Jesus says, come and follow me, deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. It's a denial of self of our priorities, our wants, our wishes, what I want, I like, what I want to see. And if this is not happening in our lives as Christians, then we have to ask ourselves, are we truly following Jesus? Are we willing to lay ourselves down for him? If we, what we want is more important than following Jesus and denying ourselves, we've got it the wrong way round. Paul was called to serve and to suffer. And so as we follow Jesus, we realize this life, this transformed life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And that's why we need to pray, to meet, to read scripture, to encourage each other, to make disciples as we grow together in the faith. Because the distractions and the temptations and the opposition are real. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, writes, Christ has taken hold of me. And I want to ask you today, has Christ taken hold of you? Has he really taken hold of your, your life, your finances, your heart, your mind, what you watch, what you read, your words, your choices, your actions? Has Christ really taken hold of you? Because the more we see Jesus, the more we are truly captivated by who he is. And it transforms everything about who we are and what we do. So I want to just give us a moment of silence and space to allow God to speak to us by his spirit. And then we're going to pray a prayer of confession together based on Psalm 51. And then we're going to return to worship. But let's just allow God, by his spirit, to come and fill us with that hope of the transformed life. And to come and challenge us, are there areas of our lives that need to change? So Lord, in this moment of silence, spirit of God, come and speak to us, encourage and convict us.
going to pray together these words of confession that are up on the screen, Psalm 51. So let's pray these words together. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment is against me is just. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep me looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Amen.